service. Michael, I feel like I'm, I'm really loud. You can turn me down a little bit. That's fine. <laughs> yes. All right, Joe, you're good. You're good. Thank you, Joseph. Good job, Joe. His fingers, his fingers are bleeding a little bit this morning. Woo! All right. We've got, let's see, how long we got? We've got 15 minutes. You're going to see me do this a whole lot. Up and down, up and down. I know, I know, I know. So, um, you know, Christmas, I love Christmas. But I'm going to get real with y'all this morning. Can we get real? <laughs> okay, because we're going to get real. But, but my favorite, besides Jesus, my favorite tradition at Christmas, the way, the thing that excites me and how I know that Christmas time is here is because the Christmas movies begin. Amen? All right, so we're going to play a little game real quick. Are y'all ready, church family? All right, we're going to play a little game. And we are an interactive group. We know this as a family, right? If you're a guest, just jump right in, okay? We don't mind you talking to us while we minister, okay? It's good. All right, so first slide, Michael. Let's put it up. Okay, I need you to guess what movie this is from. Elf, everybody knew, knew that one. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And the kids all said it. All right, let's see if y'all can do the second one. Come on, Michael. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. And when I wake up, I'm getting a CAT scan. Good, Stephen. Santa Claus won. If y'all think back, he had already been at the North Pole. Yeah, and he said he's getting a CAT scan. All right, number three. Let's see how you guys do. I don't know what to say, but it's Christmas and we're all in misery. Ginger got it. She said, it's got to be Christmas vacation. Ding, ding, ding. Very good. So I'm going to be real with (laughs) y'all. This is where I've been the last few weeks. In this quote, I don't know what to say, but it's Christmas and I've been a little miserable. (laughs) I'm going to get real. And, and it's like, I, I was turning, I, I, I saw myself turning into Ebenezer Scrooge. In fact, the other day, Greg, Greg saying amen, I know I've noticed it. The kids have noticed it. Believe me, people have noticed it. So the other day, I'm, I'm texting a friend, and, and I'll be honest, I was fussing. <laughs> it wasn't anything encouraging. And I said these words. I said, tis the season. And I didn't mean tis the season in a good way. I meant tis the season as I'm irritated and irritable and about to lose my mind. Am I the only one that's ever felt that way? And so when I sent that little text, I had a check in my spirit. (laughs) And the Holy Ghost was like, tis the season for what? And so I got real with God. And I sat down and I made a list. Okay, are y'all ready? You ready for my list? Yeah, and we checked it twice. This was my list, okay? I said, okay, Lord, I'm getting real with you. We sitting for a minute. Tis the season for racing, running, working, stressing, shopping, cooking, fretting, cleaning, decorating, planning, wrapping, worrying, and making list after list. Is it just me? <laughs> Okay, it's just you, Jeremy. I know you never feel that way. Ever, ever, ever. And so, look, I knew it wasn't just me. Because we've heard statistics concerning the holidays and how people feel during the holidays. So I looked it up. And um, 
38% of people say their stress increases during the holiday season. Reason giving, lack of time. That's mine. I feel like there's not enough hours sometimes in the day. Financial pressure, gift giving. If you're not a good gift giver, and I'm not by nature, I try really hard to be thoughtful, (laughs) y'all. But there are some of you that are amazing gift givers. Like, it is just in your blood, naturally. Serena Gray, she's not here, but she's an amazing gift giver. I'm just not that person. I try really hard, but give me a list of what you want, and I'll go get it. You know, that's me. Amen. Amen. Yes. And family gatherings. We love our family, but sometimes they cause stress. Yes? (laughs) Yes. And I thought this was interesting. While only 35% of men have felt stressed around Christmas, y'all ready, ladies? Women, 51% of us women. I wonder why. Yeah, Kristen's like, that's all? 51%? I would expect. I I was a little shocked by that too, Kristen. I was thinking, okay, we're going to say like 90% of women have felt stressed. And I don't know what it is with us girls, but if you look just in the word itself, women, we are just workers by nature. If we look at the story of Mary and Martha, (laughs) Mary was at the feet of Jesus, but what was Martha doing? Cooking, cleaning, racing, running, worrying, rapping, all those things. Yes? And so we have to, I have to, maybe not you girls, (laughs) maybe not you men, I have to check my heart. And so when I sent that text to this friend and I said, tis the season, I said, Lord, I got to do a heart check because this is not how a spirit-filled believer of the Word of God should be responding during the Christmas season. Amen? And so he reminded me of a quote from a movie. And, Michael, if you could put it up. This is actually one of Greg's favorite holiday movies. Nope. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. Anybody know? Greg, don't answer. Y'all, I heard somebody say, Scrooge, you're close. The Christmas Carol, okay? So the, everybody said, I said one of Greg's favorite movies, everybody said, Star Wars. Yeah, we know, we know. Die Hard, yeah. He watched that yesterday, or did you watch Die Hard yesterday? Lethal Weapon, one of them. Um, but what this, what that little quote did, I went back, and that's funny that God, you know, God can use anything if we just allow him to. And so that little quote kind of came up in my spirit, and I said, you know, I'm, Lord, I try really hard to keep your word all year long. Why am I struggling to do this at this time of the year? Why is it a struggle at the time of the year when it shouldn't be a struggle, when I should be happy and praising and magnifying you? Why am I struggling? And he just said, because you're not putting yourself into remembrance. And so that's what we're going to do. The same thing I got to do every day of my life to stay in his path and on, on track and living for him and not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that I prayed over the, over the boys. I have to stay at his feet and I have to stay in his word. And so Shelby the sheep already kind of went through Luke chapter 2 and Shelby the sheep did a great job. Didn't, didn't, is it a boy or girl? Shelby could go either way. Do we know? <laughs> Okay, let's not go there. Um, But Shelby did a great job, 
And, and, but we're going to go through Luke chapter 2, but I want to uh, kind of preface Luke chapter 2 with, with the fact that, of what was happening at the beginning. And at the beginning of Luke chapter 2, we know that Mary and Joseph were being called to Bethlehem for a census, right? But let's put this in perspective. Mary was nine months pregnant, and she was making a trek that was only 90 miles long. I looked it up. (laughs) 90 miles. So if you think about in relation to Minden, 90 miles is about between Natchitoches and Alexandria, okay? For us, that does not seem like that far because we can get into a car, right? We hop in our cars. We can be there in about an hour and a half, maybe two hours, depending on if we're following the speed limit. But Mary had to ride nine months pregnant on a what? Donkey. And what takes us just an hour and a half, two hours in a car, took her five days. Five days. Nine months pregnant on a donkey. And ladies, we get upset if we don't get that epidural fast enough. What in the world? (laughs) I mean, this woman... She was tough. She was tough, and God knew she was tough. God knew she had grit. God knew she could handle what he was asking of her. And so she was making this trip, five days' journey, on the back of a donkey, okay? And so while they're on the trip, she says to Joseph, It's time for the package! Do y'all know what movie that's from? No? Santa Claus 3! I just watched it. That's how I remember. So it was time for the package. It was time for the present. It was time for the birth of Jesus. And so she gave birth to him. We all know that she gave birth to him in a what? Good. In a stable, in a manger. Um, Some translations, well, there was one, and I wanted to read it. I thought it was interesting. You know, they say there's no room at the end. There was no room at the end. One translation said there was no room, there were no upper rooms to be found. I thought that was interesting. Acts chapter 2, by the way. Okay, so there were no upper rooms to be found. And so she gave birth to this child who she knew was a son of God in the most humble of places, yes, in a barn surrounded by animals, and she didn't put him in this nice little bed. What's that thing, Jordan, that you love so much? Dockatot. Okay, Jesus didn't get put in a docatot. By the way, those are the thing right now, apparently. He got put into a feeding trough. A feeding trough. Exactly. Paul said a real man. It's true. And so let's go to, uh, Michael, let's go ahead and pull up the Passion Translation in Luke 2, verse 8. And guys, what I want to do this morning, my heart, is to just let the Word do what the Word does. And let's take our time, and let's just spend some time with the Lord, and put ourselves into remembrance of how our Savior came into this world that he left glory to be here for our salvation, for us. So in verse 8, and this is in the Passion Translation, I love it. It says, That night in a field near Bethlehem, shepherds were watching over their flocks. The Lord said to me, he said, they were working. They were working. They were in the middle of doing their jobs, their everyday stuff, the things they did all the time. 
They were working. And in that moment, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified. I mean, I would have been scared. That's a little different, right? You're just doing your job. You're just working. You know, I think about, okay, I'm teaching chemistry, and then all of a sudden, the sky lights up, and man, glory of God comes in. I'd probably be a little freaked out. I think there was an explosion or something that took place in the lab. Or, you know, I, I mean, you're doing, think about that. You are going about your everyday business, everyday life. And it says in verse 10, But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news. And I love this. The most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone, everywhere. Everyone, everywhere. God does not discriminate. So why do we? Everyone everywhere. And in verse 11, for today in Bethlehem, a rescuer, a savior was born. Now look at what this says. For, for who? You. For me. Everybody say for me. For me. He is the Lord Yahweh. Yahweh. That's right. The Messiah. Now look, the word Messiah is the same word as Christ. One is Hebrew, one is Greek. I get them mixed up. Um, But they mean the same thing. And the word Messiah and Christ just mean the anointed. The anointed one of God. The anointed one of God that came, was sent into this earth to be our rescuer, to be our savior. And in verse 12, you will recognize him By this miraculous sign, you will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in the feeding trough. Then all at once in the night sky. Now I want y'all to notice something. It's not daytime. Jesus could have been born in the day. How many of you were born in the day or had children born in the day? Yeah, I did. All my kids were born in the day. But I find it interesting that he was born at night. He was born at night because he was born the light of the world into a place of darkness. Amen? So in the night sky, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, singing glory to God in the highest realms of heaven. For there is peace and a good hope, good hope, given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go. Let's hurry. They didn't wait. (laughs) And they say, Oh, we'll go tomorrow. I'm tired. I mean, it was nighttime. They'd been working. I'm tired. I bet we could wait and do this tomorrow. I bet it'd be fine. We could visit that baby tomorrow. (laughs) It'll be okay. But they said, no, they said, let's go, let's hurry and find, now y'all look at this, look at what they say, find this word who, let's find this word who is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and then the word became what guys? flesh 
and dwelt among us. That's from John chapter 1. And so they recognize that they are going, they have grabbed a hold of this word, and they have recognized that, look, we've got to go do this. We can't wait because there's an opportunity in front of us right now to witness something that no one else is getting to see at this moment that God specifically chose for us to do. And so in verse 16, so they hurried off and they found their way to Mary and Joseph. They didn't waste time. Like I said, they didn't put it off. They didn't dismiss. They didn't make excuses for being too busy. Hello, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. And verse 17, upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted. That means they just told everybody (laughs) what had just happened. And everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all these things. What things? All the stuff she had heard. She wasn't in that field. She was having a baby, (laughs) y'all. She was giving birth. So she did not witness this account she didn't know what had taken place until the shepherds revealed it to her and so she is treasuring all these things in her heart and she thinks about she's pondering what they that meant now you mama's in here if you know you already know that you you gave birth to the son of god you already know that but you have mary had no idea of how salvation was going to come She did not know the end result. She just knew her job was to raise him. Her job was to train him in the way that he should go. That was it. God had not told her, to my knowledge, that he was going to suffer. Now, she knew he would suffer, but the exact way in which he was going to suffer, she did not know at that time. And so she knew that she had to train this son of God And she had to point him, as Greg prayed, like an arrow in the direction and the plan and the purpose that God had for his life. And she had to support him, and she had to stand with him. And when the time came, she was there. And she never left his side. So I want you to think about what must have been going on in that mama heart and that daddy heart at that time. Because Joseph knew, Joseph as well, he knew. He had had an encounter with, with an angel himself, yes? And so both of them knew that there was work that they were, gonna, they were going to be doing. And they knew that it may not be exactly the way they wanted it to be. But they understood that they were part of the great plan and the great puzzle. And so, verse 20, the shepherds returned to their flock. They returned their flock. They went back to work. They went right back to work. But they didn't go back to work the same way that they were probably in the field originally. They went back to work changed. Because look at what it says. They were ecstatic over what had happened. And they praised God and they glorified him for all they had heard and seen for themselves. Just like the angel had said. They went back different. They weren't, they might have been Scrooge. I just kind of, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking they're like me. They're at work. They're tired. They're going through the everyday monotony of life. They're running. They're racing. They're taking care of stuff. And then, boom, they have an encounter with the Lord. But they didn't just stop working. They didn't just stop what God had told them to do. 
their job was to tend to the sheep. And that's what they did. And they went right back and they tended to those sheep. They took care of the flock that God had given them, but they did it in such a way that others questioned, man, what's happened to them? What's different about them? And so they understood that they had, they, they saw the miraculous. You know, um, Greg, I think it was Pastor Greg that was saying, you know, Christmas and Ginger as well is not just about the baby in the manger. You know, we think of when, as soon as kids think about Christmas, they think of two things. They think of presents and Santa Claus, and then they think about the baby in the manger. And so hopefully they think about the baby in the manger first. Yes, that's what we want first. But that's what they think of. And so, but the thing is, is that the whole purpose of Christmas was not just for us to worship the baby in the manger. The purpose of Christmas is for us to keep it in our hearts, him in our hearts all year long. Not just one time. Not just on December 25th, which, by the way, we don't know for sure that that's the day he was born. But I do find it interesting that we celebrate Christmas right before New Year's. I think, I think that, that's, that's funny. And I think that we need to, to take note. we got to get our hearts right before we start a whole new year. And, guys, I don't know about y'all, but right now... Well, the last two years, we know the last two years have been a little cray-cray, right? (laughs) And I remember 2020 and us going into 2020, and I remember saying, oh, I'm so glad 2020 is over. Man, 2021 is going to be a better year. Well, 2021 was uh, a new breed. (laughs) It was different. And so God is preparing us, though, y'all. He is preparing us for what he needs us to do in the next year. Those shepherds, they identified Christ as the Messiah. They identified Jesus as their Savior. They saw Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. But we can see him every day because he's in us. And so he he was birthed into this world, yes. But when we accept him, and we put ourselves into remembrance of the sacrifice that was made, then he is birthed in our hearts every single day of the year. And so I guess the question for me is, what is this the season of for you? Tis the season. You know, how are we going to answer that? Tis just means this. Okay, this is. So what is this season to you? You know, how how have you been perceiving this season? Has it been a rat race? Has it just been strictly about getting things done because it's easy to do? Or or have you taken a moment to say, Lord, I want to glorify you in all that I do? Um, Michael, go ahead and put up the uh, the number five slide real quick. We got two more, and I want to see if y'all know. I will honor. We've already done that one. Number five. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Good. So I like the Santa Claus. Uh, I think it's funny, though. Movies can speak to us. (laughs) And that's exactly what the shepherds, you know, the shepherds, they were, they were, they got to actually see. They actually got to see. But God has said, Jesus said in the word that blessed are those who don't see and still believe. 
I have not seen that baby in the manger. I have not seen my Savior in the flesh. But I've seen him all around me and the things that, that he has his hand in. I feel his presence in my life. I know that he is in me. Last one, Michael. And so this is the season. It's not just a day. Christmas is a frame of mind. A frame of mind. Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> and so I just, I challenge you guys. Joseph, come up and go ahead and play a little something. He's gonna, his fingers are going to bleed again. He's going to get his daddy to do it. I challenge you guys right now. I just want you to think about what this season has meant for you. And I had to, he's going to show off a little bit. <laughs> I had to say, Lord, I want this season to be about just remembering you. And just putting myself into remembrance of all that you've done. Yes, you were born into this world. You were raised in a fleshly body just like us. But you experience death and burial. But you're alive. He's alive. And he's seated at the right hand of God. Amen. All right, let's stand to our feet.